Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions that you guys send in via that tip link. However, we usually don't have enough time to get around to all the questions that get sent in, but I want to make sure if you supported the channel and you sent in those questions, that you don't have to wait too awful long to get them answered. So I gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. And we have been falling behind because we've been getting so many questions coming in. So let's do a little bit of work and start getting caught up on those, shall we? All right, let's get to it. We're going to get things started off here with one from The Sock who writes, shows that I'm still angrily bitter uh, got canceled after one season, The Family, The Mist, and Deadly Class. Now this comes on the heels of on Friday, which was the last, uh, the last show that we did was on Friday. Today is Monday that I'm recording this. Um, we talked about, the question came about, you know, favorite shows, shows that I would love to see get a second season that never did. And I always go back to that one show, Awake, uh, about the guy who wakes up with his, where his wife died in a car accident, but his son lived. But then when he wakes up the next day, he's in an alternate universe where his son died and his wife lived. And every day he rotates back and forth. That's the one I've always wanted. So a few people have been sending me in ones they want. And so Sock sent in his. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who would agree with you on a lot of those ones, Sock. All right. Sock also writes, I know it couldn't, nor would it happen, but... But I would kill for Warner Brothers, Disney, etc. to broadcast their daily meetings in a C-SPAN kind of way. Not even just for the big headlines, but I just love speculating on move they're making, no matter how trivial. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I would totally tune in for that too. I absolutely would. But you are right. There is no way that that could ever happen and no way that should ever happen. I mean, look, I I've never run anything you know, like that's more than a, a gob of spit <laughs> compared to the size of Warner brothers and Disney. But, you know, I've run some operations that have had 20, 30, sometimes 40 individuals. And you cannot have those meetings broadcast. <laughs> Believe me, you cannot have those meetings broadcast, but I am a thousand percent on board with you. Sock. if they did, Oh, I would watch those every day. I would absolutely watch those every single day because the inside moves, the inside, the behind the door stuff in the entertainment industry always fascinates me. And so, uh, yeah, I'd be right there with you watching that stuff too, man. All right. Next up, we've got Matt C who writes, John, do you believe there is an interesting story to be told in the form of a movie regarding this ongoing battle between institutional investors and retail investors? AMC being the forefront to what many believe uh, could be potentially the greatest short squeeze in stock history. Ultimately, retail investors are exposing hedge funds for all their massive market manipulation. Ultimately, retail investors are exposing hedge funds for all their massive marketing manipulation. A little bit of a repeat there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but I could totally see a movie being made regarding this uh, ongoing event. Would love to hear your thoughts on it. Honestly, no. I, I, I don't honestly think there's much of a story there to be told. I mean, a bunch of people online said, hey, let's all invest in this. And they did and artificially drove the value up. Now, I benefited greatly from that artificial market inflation because my wife and I had AMC stocks. And when it did its first big push, its first big spike, uh, we sold them and uh, made a really good profit on it. And we've experienced that since. Now, let me just check um, something here. 
AMC stock price. Now, it hit like $65 at one point. It's dropped. It's recovered a little bit. It's sitting at about 57 But every market analyst I've seen says it's going to kind of eventually settle back down to probably around 10 Because the fact of the matter is this. AMC stock is not worth $57. I mean, that's why even we did a story on this uh, earlier this week, or last week, I should say, that a bunch of AMC executives uh, even realized, and we did a big story on this, realized this is not what our stock is worth. Like north of 50 bucks, the AMC execs know this is not what our company is worth. This is not what our stock is worth. And so we're going to take advantage of this and we're going to sell our stock. So even AMC executives knew that AMC stuff is not, uh, that AMC stock is not worth that much. And ultimately, since the stock is not actually worth that much, it is going to come down. Now, yeah, you can artificially inflate it again, but ultimately what the company is actually worth is going to come into play. Now, the other side of that coin, the one thing that I love about this whole thing that happened is I have been saying for years, I mean, I think, I think if you go back all the way back to the movie blog days when there was some, you know, it might have, was it for um, the Wall Street movie? I, I can't remember. But if you go back to my movie blog days, I remember saying the whole idea of short selling should be illegal. The whole idea, because it by nature, now look, I'm not a financial expert, okay? So take take what I'm rambling about here as exactly what it is. A total, total novice, a total, total, uh, what's the best word for it? Civilian when it comes to the things of stock markets, right? But to me, as a total, you know, novice and civilian when it comes to financial matters like this, it always rubbed me the wrong way that the, when you are organizing and you are betting on the failure of a company and the failure of a stock, you are by essence manipulating the market. They have been playing this game for a long time. And I'm not going to lie. Look, nobody likes to see people lose all their money and go broke or anything like that. I, I, yeah, I, I get that. But there was a part of me that felt a little sense of satisfaction seeing all these companies who have built their fortunes on manipulating the markets and uh, negatively influencing it and betting on the failure of certain things. I kind of like seeing them lose their shirts. I kind of did. But is there an actual movie there to be told? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any actual narrative there that you can tell an actual movie about it. So uh, probably not. I probably wouldn't be interested in a movie about it. I'm interested in watching the daily ins and outs, but I just don't think there's a narrative there to be told. But I mean, that's just me. That's just my opinion on that. Who knows? We'll see. All right. Next up, uh, we've got uh, Film Love and Bro writes. Hey, John and Rob, if they're obviously he's not here on our companion videos, uh, how often do you use subtitles or even closed caption uh, for even English language TV and films? I'm almost 100% of the time now. After adjusting, I find it helps greatly with picking up on names, places, dialogue, and even story and enhance the viewing. I'll tell you what, never for movies, but almost always for the TV shows I watch. Almost always for the TV shows I watch. The reality is, a lot of times, TV shows don't have a proper audio mix. Or 
even when they do, they don't always through it. And I'm, I'm always finding sometimes that I missed a name or I missed a location or I missed something there that was said exa- or exactly how it was said, right? And so I find as long as the, the, the closed captions are done properly and they're not too obtrus- intrusive, I like having them on. And, and so almost, not all the time, but almost all the time, except for when I'm watching reruns, when I'm watching a TV show, I'll turn the closed captions on. So that way, if I'm watching it, if I did miss something, my eyes can just go to the bottom of the screen really quick and catch the name or the reference or whatever it was that was said. Now, I don't know why I don't do that for movies, but I don't do it for the movies I watch. I don't know why. I don't know why in my head to make a distinction. I have no logical explanation for that. But yeah, when I'm watching my TV shows, I do it almost all the time, Film Love and Brew. And I found that it actually enhances my viewing experience of it. So that's just me. All right, next up, we've got Jeremy V who writes, and Tipped in like $50. Thank you, Jeremy, for supporting our channel on that level, man. That's really, really generous of you. Thank you, dude. Um, Anyway, Jeremy writes, Hey, John, I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you do. The John Campia Show has been my number one source for anything movies slash TV slash streaming. When I broke my back in 2017, ah, and bedridden. You know, I think I might have remembered you mentioning this before. Uh, and was bedridden for a whole year. I could always count on the John Campus show for bringing me excitement and laughter. Dude, listen, it is our, believe me when I tell you, it is our honor and privilege uh, to be here and talk in movies and the things that we love, all that kind of stuff. And it is our privilege to be, you know, partially facilitators of this great online movie fan community and that we can just be there for each other and encourage each other. And it's what the movies and movie fan communities do. And it is really our honor to do it. And do the fact that you would allow us to be there with you as you were going through that, that is an incredible honor. Thank you for that very much. I'm glad it sounds like you recovered from that broken. You know, I had a buddy of mine. His name was Dave. A buddy of mine broke his back once. Yeah, not fun. Now, he's totally fine. He's totally fine now. But yeah, I mean, that's not a fun thing. So, dude, thank you so much for allowing us to be there. Thank you for being here yourself. And again, thank you so much for the kind words and for supporting our our channel on that level, man. Deeply, deeply appreciate it. Thank you, dude. All right. Next up, Crashing Coyote writes, Predictions for the UFC on Saturday. This this came out on Friday, obviously. Prediction for the UFC Saturday. I think Izzy wins, but I'm rooting for Vittori. Uh, it's a stacked card. If you see this after the event, then what are your thoughts on the event? And since UFC has had 17,000 fans, I think it's okay for theaters to lift restrictions. Well, I mean, for all we know, it, it takes a couple of weeks to find out, but for all we know, 700 new people got COVID at those things. I'm not saying that they are, and I'm not saying it's bad that they tried it. I'm just saying just because they got together doesn't necessarily mean there aren't going to be consequences for that many people getting together. I'm not saying there will be, and I'm not saying they shouldn't have tried. I'm just saying let's not jump to conclusions. Just because they tried it doesn't mean that everybody should just do it automatically. But I think we are getting to that point soon. Um, I'm not going to lie. Listen. My predictions on UFCs, they're usually either perfect or I'm off by one. I think I only got one of in the main card. I think only one of my picks actually won because I'm not going to lie. I actually, I mean, obviously I knew Stylebender could win that fight, but I really thought, because when you go back and watch Stylebender's loss to Jan, the way Jan used his superior strength, his wrestling, he kept dragging Izzy down, and he had those shots. 
I saw a lot of similarities between Jan's style and Vittori. Not all similarities, but a lot of similarities. And I really believe that Vittori was going to be able to drag uh, Israel into deep water. I really thought he was going to be able to be able to hold him down with his superior strength. And I really thought that it would go much like the way Israel's fight with Jan went. And it just didn't. I mean, clearly the size difference came into play. The other thing about Vittori, and obviously I was cheering for him because he would have been the first Italian-born, because I'm Italian, he would have been the first Italian-born UFC champion. I was screaming from round one, and eventually Rogan started to mention it too, but he would have, Izzy just has incredible head movement, incredible head movement. And Vittori was always able to stalk him down and get, and get Israel's back against the fence. But when he would, all he would do was kept throwing for head. I don't think I saw Vittori throw one body punch. And when you started realizing that Israel's got great head movement, you better slow him down. You know what's hard to dodge? Your body. Hit his body, and he never threw any body shots. And honestly, I think that was the thing of the fight. He never threw body shots. If he could have thrown body shots, it would have opened up some of the head, plus it would have softened him up for some takedowns. Instead, he just always did the same damn single leg. Like, every single time. It was the same kind of takedown. And yeah, he scored a couple of takedowns, which is impressive and good. I mean, not everybody goes the full distance against Israel Adesanya. But the thing is, I was yelling and screaming, throw body shots and do something other than a single leg shoot because none of it is working. Anyway, it was very frustrating. And then as far as the, you know, the co-main event, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The Figueroa fight, I mean... I like the way Joe Rogan said it. That man will change your life with one punch. I mean, it's true. And the way Moreno just came out and like dominated that fight. Didn't see that coming. So yeah, it was my worst prediction UFC ever. It was my absolute worst, but I love the card. I thought it was very entertaining from start to finish. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Jeremy V writes in another $50 tip. Jeremy, thank you, man. He writes in and says, I also want to say thank you for choosing my question for the John campus show on, uh, June 6th, 2021. Thank you for everything. I don't remember the exact question. Uh, but yeah, so for those of you who don't know, um, just in case you're new around here, we do the second half of the John campus show, which is a two hour daily show. We usually we always take the second half to take the live questions. However, the first half of the show, we do topics that we take from you guys sending in topics and questions. And those are totally free, by the way. And just in case you didn't know, if you ever come across a big topic issue or story that you think we should have as a main topic on the John Campia show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Now, on that page, there's a form. So you actually fill out the form with your name and, the, and your topic and all that kind of stuff. And you hit submit. Again, it's completely free. However, we get like one to 200 of those a day and we can only pick four or five. So, I mean, obviously there's no guarantee that your question will be picked, but obviously Jeremy V's question was one of the one, one of the questions we picked that day. Again, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but thank you, Jeremy, for participating with us and sending in topics. Again, that's the entire first half of our show. We let you guys program the first half of our show by sending in those topics and issues that we, you think we should discuss. And that's what we draw from. So thank you for doing that, Jeremy, and participating. And again, thank you for supporting our channel on that level, man. We really appreciate it. Um, next up, we go to Jeff Jones, who writes, one of two. 
It seems with Loki, many people are confused about time. Basically, if it is done in the natural order of things, then it is okay. For example, you can make a time machine. You can now bounce around time all you want because you did it within our timeline. Um, I don't see a part two. Okay, there's no part two. Yes, that's exactly, listen, that is exactly what the judge said to Loki. When Loki tried to scapegoat the Avengers, saying, go get the Avengers. They're the ones jumping around doing time traveling. She's like, that's okay, because in the sacred timeline, that's what they're supposed to do. That is a part of the sacred timeline. The Avengers doing that time jumping around, that is a part of the sacred timeline. Ant-Man doing all of his quantum realm travels, that's part of the sacred timeline. It's all there. Just because somebody does time travel, that doesn't mean they've broken the sacred timeline. It's a little confusing, yes, but that seems to be the way they're setting up. So it's a good it's a good way you delayed it out there, Jeff. All right, next up. Hulk Salty Toe Jam writes, Hulk wants to fight Thanos again. Hulk rematch now with Purple Glob. Hulk will win this time when Hulk smash. Why am Hulk your favorite Avenger? And what you cook Hulk for dinner tonight? Well, Hulk is not my favorite Avenger. I do love Hulk in the MCU, at least until um, the Russo brothers got their hands on him. Don't get me wrong. I love the Russo brothers. Not just do I love their work. I've had them in my studio twice to sit down with me. They have, and they, you know, they, they went out of the way to come over and say hi to me at one of the premieres and chat for a bit. They're terrific, wonderful guys. And they make their movies. They made in the MCU have been tremendous. The one little issue, the one little issue I take with the Russo brothers uh, in the MCU was how they handled Hulk. I did not like the way they handled Hulk. But that's it. That's that's the one little thing. That's the one element out of the thousands of elements that they oversaw that I really wish they had done differently. No, my favorite Avenger is Captain America. The Captain America. Steve Rogers. Not Bucky Barnes whenever they give him the shield. Um, you know, not anybody else. It's Steve Rogers is Captain America. But, you know, that's just me. Uh, so that's my favorite. All right, next up. We've got BK Dan who writes, John, did you guys see the viewership of Loki versus Falcon uh, uh, versus Falcon versus WandaVision? Loki, 890,000. Um, first episode equals seven. Loki equals 890,000. Falcon, first episode, 790,000. Whereas WandaVision, first episode, only had 655,000 first episode. These are all first 24-hour viewership numbers. Got it from Deadline. Yes, but you're, it's, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding going on with there. Because in that, they mentioned the name. It starts with an S. The name of the company that actually did the measurements, that actually took the analytics. Not only is it in the first 24 hours, but it's also households that watched a minimum of five minutes. So you couldn't have just turned it on for 30 seconds, gone away. That wouldn't count as a view. It had to have been at least five minutes. Now, what is important to note is that the number wasn't actually 890,000 people. It was 890,000 people out of the 3 million households that this company measures from. Because it's the same way the Nielsen ratings. Remember, forever in the television industry, the Nielsen ratings was the big thing. Well, obviously, not every house had a Nielsen box. There was only so many households in America that had them. And then they extrapolated from that data to figure out what America-wide it would be. So it was 890,000 viewers out of the 3 million that they monitored. So that means the number was actually significantly bigger. How much bigger? Who knows? 
but it was actually bigger than that. And yeah, WandaVision was the smallest, but it was the first Disney Plus show with, you know, non-A-list characters like Wanda and Vision, right? But those numbers grew exponentially, like as it became the number one show in the world. But yes, it is a very, very good start for Loki. Excellent start for Loki. It's going to be interesting to see if the numbers go up like they did for WandaVision. So that we'll have to see. I mean, if people like it and get hooked on it, you'll see the numbers start to climb. If it's just good, you'll see the numbers plateau. If they're not so good, you'll see the numbers start to go down. But like with WandaVision, they just skyrocketed. So let's see what happens with Loki. Good thing to bring up, BK. Thanks, man. All right, next up. Peter Cunnington writes, Hey, John, my theaters are finally reopening in British Columbia, Canada on June 15th. That's awesome, man. So I'm going to go see Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, Quiet Place Part 2, In the Heights, and Disney's Cruella. They're all good. I mean, I don't know about the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. I don't know about that one. Uh, but all the rest of them are good. Cannot wait. Also looking forward to seeing Black Widow in July in IMAX. Yeah. Now, there were advanced screenings of Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, the hitman's wife's bodyguard this weekend. However, this weekend, as many of you know, was my anniversary weekend with me and Ann. So uh, Ann and I had plans. So we didn't get around to seeing the hitman's wife's bodyguard. I am excited about it. I mean, not super excited about it, but it's a Ryan Reynolds film. He's like one of my favorite movie stars. So I'm definitely going to be checking that out. And uh, man, that is so great that theaters there are finally starting to reopen. That you're going to get a chance to see it. That is great. I can't wait for it to be Canada-wide, man. Awesome. I hope you have a great time. All right. Next up, we've got Caleb who writes, could you rank these by how disappointing they were? F9, Wonder Woman 84, and Rise of Skywalker. Not by quality, but disappointing. For me, Rise of Skywalker is the most disappointing experience of my life. Well, then you've had a really charmed life. <laughs> if a movie is the most disappointing experience of your life, you've had a pretty charmed life, brother. Anyway, uh, of my life. And it'll be very hard to top it. Thanks and bring on the filthy. Oh, yeah, that's, there's no question. There's no question. Less. Was F9 a disappointment? Yes, but it's just the Fast and the Furious franchise. Was Wonder Woman 84 a disappointment? Sure, because the first one was so good, but it was just one movie. And okay, the second one did, didn't live up to it. So I was disappointed with it, sure. But... Rise of Skywalker, it's, that's another level. Not only because I'm just a massive Star Wars fan, but I have liked most of the uh, the Star Wars stuff that has come out under Disney's uh, thing. I love The Force Awakens. I love Rogue One. I really enjoyed Solo, even though they never should have made that movie in the first place. But still, I really enjoyed it. It was a really great, fun space adventure. I love Mandalorian Season 1. I love Mandalorian Season 2. I'm not... I mean, I love Rebels. I'm not... I wasn't crazy about Clone Wars Season 7. I'm not crazy about... Um, not crazy about Bad Batch. Um, the uh, The Last Jedi I thought was good. There were elements that I really liked about The Last Jedi, but there were also elements that I had big problems with. Uh, but Rise of Skywalker, man, Rise of Skywalker was totally and utterly a huge disappointment. I never thought I would say this about a Star Wars thing, but I might even rank it lower than one or two of the prequels. And I never thought I would say that because the prequels are just bottom of the barrel garbage, but I might actually have one or maybe even two of the prequels ranked higher than Rise of Skywalker. It was that bad. And so not only was it disappointing in terms of quality, but the fact that, you know, Disney has shown they can make great Star Wars content, 
Rogue One, Mandalorian, Force Awakens, Rebels. They can make great Star Wars content. And then they wrapped up that series, which had no plan from the beginning uh, in such an utterly disappointing way. So, yeah, I mean, th that's no kind like Fast 9, whatever. I mean, I like the vast majority of their films. They put out one that was garbage. OK, no big deal. I can live with that. Wonder Woman. They've had one film that was great. I, I love the first Wonder Woman movie, but whether this one was great or not, it's not going to affect me too much. But The Rise of Skywalker, man, that was, uh, that was, yeah, that was pretty disappointing. <laughs> so that, that one's easy for me, man. All right, next up. Jordan Risley writes, uh, Hey, John, do you conclude that the title Wakanda Forever is paying homage to uh, Chadwick Boseman? No, in no way, shape, or form. Uh, in a spiritual sense, not at all. Uh, that meaning that in memory he will live on. What is your take on that, Zero? Uh, listen, I have zero doubt that if um, Chadwick Boseman was still alive, the next the next Black Panther movie was going to be called Wakanda Forever. I mean, that's just, that's the mantra. That's the big saying. That's the catchphrase. Wakanda Forever, right? Now, is it reasonable for fans to look at that and treat it in such a way as, as paying tribute to Chadwick Boseman? Nothing wrong with looking at it that way. Nothing wrong with looking at it that way. But again, I think the odds are 99% that even if Chadwick Boseman had not passed away, I completely believe that the next Black Panther movie would have been called Wakanda Forever. I have very, very little doubt about that. Now, now don't get me wrong. I have not talked to Kevin Feige about this. It's not like I'm, I'm operating on a, a whole bunch of insider information here. I'm not. This is just me as a fan speculating. But I would be completely shocked, shocked, I tell you, if I talked to Ryan Coogler and he told me, yeah, we weren't going to call the next one Wakanda Forever until after Chadwick died. I, I would be shocked because I completely believe that would have been the title anyway. And since that would have been the title anyway, then no, I don't think it's specifically mentioned. Now, I believe the movie itself will pay much tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I have no doubt about that. But again, I just, I completely believe this would have been the title of the movie anyway. Because if you were to if, go back in time prior to Chadwick Boseman dying, and ask you, do you think the name of the next Black Panther movie could be Wakanda Forever? Oh, yeah, obvious. That's obvious. That's the obvious title for the movie. So, no, I don't think it was done in that way. But I think the movie itself will pay a lot of tribute to, to Chadwick Boseman. I really do. All right, thanks for writing that in, Jordan. Next up, um, Ahmed Z writes, one of two. Hey, John and Rob. Rob's obviously not here right now. I don't know uh, what it is, but I just love Disney Plus Premier Access. I just pre-ordered Black Widow. Yippee, LOL. My question is, initially, I think your sentiment towards it is it's not a good idea, but this is the fourth one they have done uh, with Jungle Cruise being the fifth one to come next month. Why do you think they're still doing it? Well, I mean, for the same reason that I said after they did, look, I think the first one they did was uh, Mulan, right? And I remember after that came out and it flopped on Disney Premier Access, it completely flopped. Actually, they haven't had a single big hit on Disney Premier Plus Access yet. But when it flopped and the actual numbers came out, there was these fake reports that came out first, but then the actual numbers came out that showed it. A bunch of people said, well, they'll never do that again. And I said, no, they will. They need to. Because if you're actually intelligent and you're smart and you know your business, you know that you need a bigger sample size 
to make determinations. You can't just put out one thing and try it with this premier access thing, right? We put You can't just do it with one. That's not a big enough sample size to really determine if it can be successful or not. They're going to need to do it. I said at the time, I think six to 12 times. So I'm not at all surprised they're still doing it because you actually need to gather sufficient data to make big, huge, long-lasting decisions like, is Premier Access going to be a part of our regular thing moving forward into the future? You can't just base that on three or four tries. You have to actually have a large sample size, a large collection of attempts, and then analyze the data from all of them, not just one or two. Because what if it was just Mulan because Mulan, nobody wanted to see Mulan, right? It's not enough. Two movies isn't enough. Three movies isn't enough. They're going to have to do it. Now, I still think it's a terrible idea. Uh, I think, and I ultimately think they'll probably go away from it eventually, but not until they've done it enough times to actually get enough data. And maybe the data will show them that it is working. I mean, I haven't seen the data myself, so I don't know. I just keep hearing that, yeah, they're disappointed with this release and they were disappointed with that release and this didn't do all that well in Disney Premier Access. But you have to keep going and give it a legitimate shot and gather enough data to give an accurate kind of conclusion as to what you're going to do moving forward. So we said right from Mulan that they're going to have to do this many more times. Well, not many as in like 20 or 30, but they're going to need to do this a number of more times before they have a big enough sample size to determine if this is something they're going to do long term. And Jungle Cruise won't be the last one either. I think they'll probably do at least five or six more. Which ones? I'm not sure, but I think they'll probably do five or six more. And uh, then either the data will show them that, nope, this doesn't really work. We shouldn't do this anymore. Or it'll show them there's promise here. Maybe we should do it. Again, I, I think it's a totally terrible idea. Uh, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot, and I've explained why a thousand times, so I won't bore you with that again. But we'll see. I mean, it, But the main thing is they have to gather up enough actual workable data, and the only way you can do that is by putting more out like that over the time. And that's why I said I think we're at least getting another half dozen. At least another half dozen like that. And then we'll see where they go. Maybe it'll be a big success. Maybe it won't. We'll find out soon enough. All right. Thanks for writing that in, Ahmed. All right. Next up. Um, the Joe D of NYC writes, one of four. Hey, John and gang. Just a question on the Loki move to Wednesdays. I'm a single dad who only sees my son on weekends. As been the case recently with Disney Plus shows, we look forward to a new episode of whatever the show of whatever show is out on Friday nights. Uh, with the move to Wednesdays, could I go ahead and watch the show before Friday? Sure. But that would take away from the enjoyment my son and I share when we watch it together. That's awesome. Uh, so I would rather wait. My question is, do you think professional YouTubers such as yourself and others should hold off on spoilers only during your main shows, of course, until the weekend for folks like me who feel it only fair to wait? No. Anyway, uh, sorry for the long-winded post. Not a problem, man. I wanted to give you proper context before asking. Thanks. By the way, uh, Juan Denver was the greatest character ever in the Sons of Anarchy franchise. Juan Denver in uh, Mayans. Effin' Juan Denver. That character was awesome. I, I died every time they would mention him anyway. And the way Angel would say, Effin' Juan Denver. That was great. Okay, so here's the thing. First of all, I really do think they should put 
these shows back to Fridays. It, it just became a great tradition of all the Disney premiere content. Mandalorian, Mandalorian Season 2, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier. It just became a thing. It's a good day for it. They should absolutely move it back there. I understood they needed to move it for a little bit of a technical reason. That's fine, whatever, but they should absolutely move it back. That being said, my thoughts on spoiler stuff regarding TV shows has been the same for years, which is when a TV, when it's a TV show, when an episode airs, I think we as the fan community should recognize a 24 hour don't talk openly about spoilers thing. But the reality is, as a TV show, it's publicly available. You can watch it anytime you want. It's there. And you only don't see it if you choose not to see it. Like with a movie, that's different. Right? Because you got you to gotta plan a night out. You got to get tickets. You and whoever you're going with have to schedule a time that you can sync up your schedules, go to the movie theater, and that could take weeks or, or whatever. But with a TV show... It's now out, freely available, and publicly available for anybody who wants to watch it. So I've always kind of felt like, like for me personally, I felt if I can't watch a show and like a new episode, and it's more than 24 hours since it came out, then it's my responsibility to avoid spoilers. It's not other people's responsibility to not talk about it anymore. Because at some point, and I believe 24 hours is a good window, at some point, the fan community has to be allowed to openly talk about it. It's water cooler conversation stuff. You know, with that new episode out, everybody wants to talk about it. Because most people have seen it within the first 24 hours, right? And it's water cool. People gather around the water cooler at work and talk about these things. So, and here's the reality. Here's the reality. While I love what you and your son do, that is awesome. And while I respect that, the reality is there could have been somebody else who gets, you know, who spends Monday and Tuesday with their kids. And like they, with the shows coming out on Fridays, they had to wait until Monday or Tuesday to watch it with their kids. Does that mean people should have to wait another week or five days or whatever? So, no, I, I my personal opinion, and not everybody agrees with me, and that's fine because I'm not necessarily right. But is that when it comes to TV shows, your fellow fans should respect a 24-hour window to not just blurt out spoilers. But after 24 hours, then that's on the individuals. That then, then that becomes my responsibility. Like, I remember Sons of Anarchy is one of my top three favorite shows of all time. And I was late on an episode, two or three days late on an episode, uh, finding out that Opie died. Like, my favorite character in the show died. And I found out through a tweet that somebody had put out, but I had nobody to be mad at, but myself, because I know the show is out and I know everybody's seen it and I know everybody wants to talk about it. And if I can't get around to watching the show, then it's my responsibility. If it's really important to me, it's my responsibility to avoid social media and whatever, where I might get spoiled until I have a chance to watch the episode. And so no, I, I, I think, listen, I still believe it's 24 hours. That's now, listen, we do our spoiler discussion the day it comes out, but that's under a clearly defined, this is a spoiler discussion. 
So only come in here if you're looking for spoilers. But after that, now that we get over 24 hours away, now we're talking, we're into the 36, 48 hours, 72 hours after the show comes out, the fan community just has to be able to openly talk about it. So that's my take on it. Again, I love what you do with your son, but I think it just means that you're going to have to, you from Friday to, well, I mean, if the show comes out Wednesday night, so it just means Wednesday and Thursday, and really we won't talk open spoilers on Wednesday. So really all you got to do is avoid Thursday. <laughs> But again, that becomes your responsibility. You know what I'm saying? The rest of the fan community has to be able to openly talk about it. So that's kind of my take on it. But again, I think that is awesome what you and your son do together, man. That's great. I hope you guys continue to do that. And I hope they move it back to Fridays uh, for many reasons, but for also for your sake, man. I hope they do move it back to Fridays. All right, next up. Thanks for writing that in, the Joe D. All right, next up. The Sock writes... I haven't watched Kim's Convenience, but the fact that they canceled it the way they did, then made a spinoff makes my blood boil. Shame on them. I kind of hope that they struggle after that. I hate seeing people being punished for doing good. Yeah, so where this comes from was that I I won't go into the whole drama of Kim's Convenience getting canceled again, which is total BS. Total BS. The circuit, like the network wanted it back. The actors wanted it back. The crew wanted it back. They were all expecting it was going to be back for season six. Everybody was planning for it. And then just the show cre- the showrunners out of nowhere said, nah, we don't want to do it anymore. Last second, just dropped a bomb on them and the show gets canceled. So this show, what we found out from Simu Lu was that this show about this Korean-Canadian family, this family that, that immigrated and came over from Korea, and they had this one Caucasian character shannon who is a great character she's a great character but they cancel this show with all korean characters korean canadian and they decide to do a spin-off show with the one non-korean character and they wonder why people get mad so they cancel the show and none of the other characters are getting a spinoff, but the white characters, the one lone white character, that's the one getting a spinoff show. It, It's a little tone deaf to me. Even though I love that character, I love the character, I do, but I love all the characters on the show. That They had to know that was going to meet some... I, I won't be... Listen, I won't be surprised if that show never actually happens. There's just too much blowback on that. I, I really... I, I'm not saying I have any insider information. I don't. But I would be surprised if this show actually goes ahead and actually happens. I don't think it will. I really don't. I don't think it's actually going to happen. But we'll see. Alright, thanks for that, Sock. Next up, uh, Ishmael writes, Hey, John. If hypothetically Loki variants are trying to destroy the TVA, why wouldn't those variants try to be inside the TVA? Well, the first episode kind of explains that rather than being in different times thoughts because they can't be inside the TVA. Again, just going off of what was said in episode one, remember the timekeepers created all the members of the TVA. The TVA know who's a member of the TVA or not. So they they just don't have a way of being in there. 
Plus, there's a way that they're always being scanned with their temporal aura. Remember that part of the show? So I don't think that would be an option for them. Now, maybe something will come up in episodes two, three, four, five, or six that might open the door for that. But just going off of what they said in episode one, that doesn't seem like a feasibility. But who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens moving forward, Ismail. Maybe they'll go somewhere like that. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. Next up, Clay Woodley writes, I'm a big fan of the Jurassic Park series and I love the first and I and I love the first and I really Jurassic World. Let me try this again. I'm a big fan of the Jurassic Park series. I love the first and I really Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. It probably meant I really like Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. But one thing that I think the franchise has come up short on is the dinos versus dino battles. Aside from the final fight in Jurassic World, do you agree? Actually, no. I'm not all that interested in seeing dino versus dino fight because it would be pretty boring. Like when a T-Rex fights something, it's not really a fight. The T-Rex grabs it and kills it. <laughs> that's that's a T-Rex fight. Um, I mean, so I don't know. Should they start cracking out the martial arts? Like should a triceratop come running out and do a spinning back you know, back kick out of the trees and do use its horn like a samurai sword. And I mean, I, I, I don't know. So no, I have not missed it. Now look, when dinosaurs have encountered each other, like the velociraptors and the T-Rex in the first one, that's cool to see, but that's kind of how those battles would go. Right. One just kills the other. So I, I don't know. I don't find myself yearning for a lot of dino on dino thing. I, I'm very, very happy with human beings running in terror from dinos. So that's just me. That's just me. I mean, that's mean you have to agree. You don't have to feel the same way I do, but that's just kind of how I see it at any rate. All right. Thanks for sending that in, man. All right. Next up, we've got Casey McNatt writes one of how many? Uh, hey, John, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, listen, back when I was a kid, I was a big fan of He-Man. I used to watch, uh, that show every time it came on. Well, as we all know, Netflix is planning on bringing it back with the new Kevin Smith Masters of the Universe, uh, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Well, Netflix just dropped the first trailer, this is a couple of days ago, dropped the first trailer for the series yesterday, and I gotta say, it actually looks pretty good. Have you seen the trailer yet, and what are your thoughts on it? Were you ever a He-Man fan? Oh, dude, I, I used to love He-Man. I used to love Masters of the Universe. I had all the figures. I even watched the Dolph Lundgren movie, man. I, I mean, I, I owned that. I owned the Dolph Lundgren movie. Just, I know it was terrible, but it was still He-Man. So I just wanted it. And was it Franklin Jella as Skeletor? I mean, come on. I'm going to say something very unpopular. I thought the He-Man trailer was lame. I just did. And I, it's one of those things where I'm seeing a lot of people raving about it. And I'm like, what, is there another He-Man trailer that I missed? Cause I just saw this one where they really like in a really cringy way was playing the old, I need a hero thing. It's like, come on. I've, that's been done in like a hundred action movies and whatever. And I just, Honestly, I didn't see anything in that trailer to be excited about. Shoot me. I mean, I, I just didn't. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think the show is going to be great. Kevin Smith's doing it, man. I, I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. So if he's doing it, I, I'm trusting that it's going to be really good. But as far as just the trailer goes, I'm not going to lie. I thought the trailer was lame. 
I really did. I saw nothing to be excited in that trailer for. But listen, we have all seen how many times have we seen amazing movies that had terrible trailers and how many times have we seen great trailers that ended up being terrible movies, right? The trailer and the show are two different things. I still have a lot of hope for this series. I still have high expectations for the series. But did I like the trailer, which I'm sure Kevin Smith didn't make the trailer. That's probably the marketing division made the trailer. Did I like the trailer? No. To be honest, I didn't. But uh, a lot of other people do, and here's hoping the show's as good as we think it can be. So I'll keep my fingers crossed. All right, next up. Uh, we've got uh, Albert Cerna who writes, Hey, John. Big fan. Thank you so much, Albert. So everything I'm about to say is with the highest respects. You've mentioned in the past that you don't consider the Netflix Marvel shows MCU canon. Well, I mean, Kevin Feige doesn't treat them as canon uh, because it would put them in a corner creatively, uh, so to speak. No, that's not why I don't think they're canon. I don't think they're canon because they've never been treated as canon. They've always been treated as something completely separate. That's why. Anyway, uh, with that being said, I wanted to ask you why you are so welcoming with the Disney Plus shows with open arms and accepting whatever happens in those shows as canon to the MCU, but not give a fair shake to the Marvel Netflix shows as MCU canon. Simple. One is done by Kevin Feige. The others were not. It's it's that simple. Anyway, uh, don't get me wrong. The Disney Plus shows... Uh, where are we lo uh, looking? The Disney Plus shows have been amazing, but I just wanted to see uh, your point of view on that topic. It's no secret that I love the Marvel Netflix shows, still consider them MCU canon, and even better than some MCU films. Thank you. Much love and keep up the great work that you do. Well, thank you so much for that, Albert. And yeah, listen, let's be very clear here. I loved Daredevil seasons one, two, and three. I loved Punisher seasons one and two. I liked the first half of season one of Luke Cage. After that, it went kind of downhill. Um, Iron Fist, obviously not that great. I, I wasn't a fan of the Jessica Jones series, either uh, either season one or two. I think they had their moments. Uh, I, I didn't mind Defenders. I didn't mind Defenders. I thought Defenders was okay. Uh, so the Netflix shows was a little bit of a mixed bag. But yeah, five of the seasons were fantastic. Daredevils 1, 2, and 3, and Punisher 1 and 2, awesome. Just awesome, awesome stuff. I don't say I don't consider them part of MCU canon because of a quality issue. They're very good. Some of them are very, very good. But one set of things are run by Kevin Feige, who is the MCU, and the other things were not. Kevin Feige very distinctly distanced himself from those things. I remember at the Phase 4 uh, the phase three announcement event. So I was actually physically there in person at the El Capitan theater in Hollywood, in Hollywood, California, when uh, Disney and Marvel put on this big event, a one day event where they did the big rundown. It's the big event where, you know, um, they, they announced civil war and they had Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. Come out on stage. Right. Uh, for the whole Civil War thing. And they had Chadwick both. They introduced Chadwick Boseman and Chadwick Boseman came out and Chris Evans and Tony were both playing tug of war with Chadwick Boseman's arms and stuff like that. It was great. But at that event, somebody specifically asked about things like 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and things like that. And Kevin Feige was pretty clear. Like, that's that's other people. That's Ike Perlmutter's stuff. That's not me. None of that is me. And that's why you never actually saw any real tangible connections. That's why you didn't see, you know, Lady Sif show up in Punisher. That's why you don't actually see Iron Man in a Daredevil show. That's why when you come into Endgame and the portals happen, you don't have any of the Netflix characters show up. Kevin Feige never once referenced any of them. Um, and that's not that doesn't mean that Daredevil seasons one through three weren't amazing or Punisher seasons one and two weren't amazing. Of course they were amazing. But they were not Kevin Feige's MCU. They just weren't. Because Kevin Feige is the MCU. And so when he oversees and creates WandaVision, it doesn't matter that it's on a television thing. It is MCU because it's Kevin Feige's thing. When Kevin Feige does Moon Knight and he dictates, I want Moon Knight, and he picks guys, come in, give me your story ideas. They pitch it to him, say, yes, that's our story idea. Now flesh it out. Do this, this, and this, but don't do this, 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 and the other thing. Go ahead, bloom, bloom. That's his MCU. It's not a quality thing. It's not a quality thing. If it was a quality thing, then Daredevil should be MCU and Punisher should be MCU. They're not MCU and WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier and all that is MCU because it's Kevin Feige who says these are in the MCU. And that's the big thing. And several things have happened to show that Kevin Feige has rejected those other shows. He has never once had even the slightest passing reference to it, to any of the stuff that's happened in the Netflix series. That's just been his modus operandi to now. Now, that might change in the future. Sure. But I just remember it was an uncomfortable moment. And I remember I was sitting at that D, at, it wasn't D23, at that Disney Marvel event at the El Capitan Theater, the Phase 3 announcement stuff. And I was actually sitting with uh, Mark Ellis and, uh, and uh, Christian Harloff at the time. And I remember looking at each other when somebody asked, one of the reporters asked him about, you know, what about these other shows? Is this part of the MCU? And he said, well, it was an uncomfortable moment on stage. He's like, well, I have nothing to do with those. Those have nothing to do with me. Right. And uh, if it has nothing to do with him, then it's not MCU. It's it's that's kind of the litmus test. Could they bring in Punisher like the John Bernthal Punisher? They could, but I really don't think they will. Can they bring in the Charlie Cox Daredevil? They could, but I don't think they will. Again, no insider information. That's just me speculating as a fan. Could be right. Could be wrong. Whatever. But um, yeah, again, it's it's a Kevin Feige thing. So anyway, that's the way I see it. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. I appreciate it, dude. All right. Next up, Scott Brown writes, uh, a trend that's driving me crazy right now is ripping things to shreds before we've had a chance to see it. Uh, Netflix released a trailer for Herman. People are saying the trailer is good, but the story is going to be woke and all about, uh, Tila. Oh, Herman. You probably meant he, okay. He man, sorry. He man. <laughs> Heman? Sorry, I'm not used to seeing it spelled like that. Um, uh, Netflix released a trailer for He-Man. People are saying, who, who's, first of all, who's people? Who is P? 
people. Because I, I got news for you. Somebody, everything, somebody is saying, somebody somewhere is saying anything you can imagine about anything. Right? People are saying the color purple is a symbol of Satan. I guarantee you there are some people out there. Does that mean people are saying that? No. Anyway, uh, people are saying the trailer is good, but the story is going to be woke and all about Tila. See it, uh, see it, then judge it. Well, no, 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 listen. What is fair, Scott? What is fair? There are two different things. One thing is judging. And you're right. You shouldn't judge it until you see it. But then there's prediction. It is totally fair to look at a trailer and say, I think this is going to be bad. This looks like it's going to be bad. That's fair. There, there's nothing inappropriate with that. That is totally fair. Now, where I take issue, and this happens all the time, I remember I just had this big argument with somebody um, who was talking about Loki, who had never seen Loki, right? Loki's trash. That show's garbage. I'm not going to watch that garbage. It's like, dude, you don't know it's garbage. You've never seen it. You haven't seen, because the first episode hadn't come out yet. You haven't seen the first episode of it yet. So just, you know, cool your jets, you know, slow your roll a little bit here and, and then wait to see. Now, if you think it looks bad, that's fair. That's fair. That's why they put out trailers. And if there are people who are looking at the He-Man thing and they think it looks bad, then they think it looks bad. And that's fair. I know it's a little bit of semantics, but there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're not saying, which some people do, that is bad when they've never even seen it. Now, just me personally, anybody who uses the word woke, I just assume is an idiot and I don't listen to anything they say. I mean, God bless them. Godspeed, they can do and say whatever they want. But whenever I hear a person use the word woke, I just assume they're an idiot and not really worth listening to. But that's just me. That's just me. Whatever. All right. Next up, Uh, we've got uh, Sam Fisher writes, hey, John. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but Kevin Feige made into the most recent issue of the X-Men, X-Men issue 21. He's seen asking Cyclops, what's your story? And Cyclops responds with, well, it's complicated. Laughed out loud when I saw it. I mean, that's pretty cool if they do it. But listen, it wouldn't be the first time that X-Men comics have put in famous figures uh, into their comics even if it wasn't themselves. I mean, they've done a history of that. I remember I watched something on this. It was during one of the um, Stan Lee documentaries where they talked about that a little bit. So I haven't seen that myself, Sam, but I'm not surprised. It's not the first time they've done it. Don't think it'll be the last time they do it. All right, guys, last one today comes to us from uh, James L.H. who writes, Hey, John, one of two. I missed your Loki talk, so just uh, so just say really enjoyed it. Out of the three MCU shows, this is the one I was looking forward to anyway. How about some tinfoil hat speculation? Which MCU film, if any, do you think Loki will appear in? On Kimmel, uh, Tom said, part two, on his 40th birthday that he was on set as Loki. Now for the conspiracy part. According to reports, Loki wrapped in December of 2020, but Tom turned 40 in February of 2021. He is in London. He is in London. Doctor Strange 2 is filming. Uh, is filming. Look, I know I'm reaching, but hey, it's a bit of fun. Well, it is a bit of a reach for two reasons. 
Number one, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Tom Hiddleston lives in London. Okay. So I, I could be mistaken about that. I'm, I'm not saying that definitively. I just, I think he lives in London. So yeah, I, so I wouldn't read anything to that. But the second thing is this, there is a difference. There's a distinction between when principal photography wraps and then when pickups and reshoots are being done. Because remember, every single Marvel project, when they're planning out their schedule, they plan we're shooting from this date to this date. And then a few months later, we plan for doing reshoots. Even before they've shot a single thing, they're planning reshoots. Because Kevin Feige has explained before that they understand that once it's, it's cool to read something on a page, you know, in a script. That's cool. But when you actually then sit down and watch the dailies and seeing it actually coming to life, you can realize, oh, that didn't actually work the way we thought it would. Or what happens more times than not, when you're actually seeing it now on screen, Kevin Feige says new ideas get brought up. And so they always plan reshoots. So what does that have to do with Loki? It's very conceivable that Loki wrapped production and then a couple of months later went in and did reshoots and did pickup shots because it's something that every MCU thing does. Now, look, is it possible that Loki pops up in Doctor Strange? Of course it's possible. This is the MCU. And narratively, it like with all the multiverse talk in Loki and Doctor Strange 2 being called Multiverse of Madness, of course it's possible. Absolutely it's possible. Do I actually think? Do I think it's probable that Loki is showing up in Doctor Strange. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's possible. I don't think it's probable. So, I mean, I won't be stunned and fall out of my seat if we do see him pop up, but if I had to bet a dollar, I'm probably betting that he's not going to show up there. And I have a feeling if he's saying he was on set for his uh, for his 40th and that was in February, my guess is that's right around they, when they would have been doing reshoots and stuff like that and pickup shots uh, for the Loki series anyway. So, that's my guess. We'll see if that's true or not. All right, guys, listen. There are still more questions to come from Sam Fisher, Ryan Trabuco, uh, and others. We will start off the live questions part of the show, the John Campus Show, tomorrow with those. So if we didn't quite get to yours yet, hang in there with us. You'll see them answered right off the top once we get into things going on the live questions part of the show on tomorrow's John Campus Show. But for now... That'll do it for me, guys. Thanks for being here and joining us for this companion video. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these live questions. Number one, because you give us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so much for that support. Okay, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.